so I thought this image was a very powerful image of how a lot of times we feel in life, right? A lot of times we're in a, in a situation that is not the most desirable, where it is pressing and it is stressful and it literally feels like we're drowning. So much so that sometimes we feel like there's no hope or there's despair and we don't know what to do. Trip Lee, a Christian hip-hop artist, wrote a song entitled Sweet Victory, and I'm going to read you some of the lyrics. I will not attempt to rap them, but I will read them to you. But he says this. He says, You see me limping. I know you see me limping. Even as I write these lines, I'm close to tears. My body ain't been working right for seven years, so miss me with that keep your chin up, try to smile. Bro, I'm 26. I should feel better by a mile. So keep all your anecdotes and cute quotes. I'll pass some cliches for true hopes. I feel thorns where my crown was. I be weak, but I'm alive. From the dusk until dawn, yeah, I'll survive because I have sweet victory. You see, at this moment, Tripoli wrote this song because he was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and he was really struggling because it didn't matter how much rest or relaxation or nourishment he got. His body was broken and he felt tired and fatigued all the time and it brought him to a spiritually bad place. He was depressed. He was broken down. He was sad. He was discouraged. And he wrote about passing on cliches because so many times we pass by people and we always ask the proverbial question, hey, how are you doing today? And our response is always okay or good, even if we are suffering. And you see, I think somehow that has also crept into the church. We feel like we just have to say okay, or we just have to feel like, oh, I'm good, because we either don't want to talk about our stress and pain and hurt, or we might be a little too prideful to talk about it. And that makes me sad, because this is the one place where we should be authentic and real with each other. Because in the end, we are just a bunch of broken people united by Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for that. Depression is something that we all will deal with, whether it's acute or chronic, whether it's something we will suffer from, or whether it's someone that we know that will be suffering from it. And so it's a lot of times, how do we deal with this? Well, today we're going to study Psalm 42, which I know gives an amazing biblical response of how we deal with tough times, how we deal with stress and trials, not only for ourselves, but how we can use that to encourage our fellow brothers and sisters that may be suffering from depression and hurt and discouragement. We study Psalm 42 because it allows us to build one another up, to encourage us, and to keep hope. And so Psalm 42 reads this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival." Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. 
I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I love this psalm. I love this psalm. And this psalm is a, a maskil, if you see. Uh, and what a maskil is, is a Hebrew verb that means to make someone wise, to instruct. Meaning this is a song that can instruct or give us some sort of moral wisdom. It's a skillful, well-written song, and it's written by the sons of Korah. These guys are the Levite priests who are in charge of singing in the temple. They would be your original Maranatha praise band. You see, and what we see in these words is we see the psalmist is in some form of captivity as he is describing his scenario and his situation that, that you can see that he's physically being oppressed, which has led to his inner spirit being in turmoil and hurt. Has led to extreme discouragement and depression. And in the end, we see that he is fighting for hope. He's fighting for hope as he is writing these laments and praises as he cycles through these. And I feel like this is us in a lot of times in our lives. And so we're going to jump in right to verse 1. He talks about a deer panting for flowing streams. Uh, so his soul pants for God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He gives this illustration of a deer that is panting for water, that has been running around, and water is the only thing that can satisfy its thirst. The way the deer thirsts for God is the same way he is thirsting for God, is the way his soul is panting for God. It literally means he is so, his soul is aching for God at this moment. You see, the psalmist we see right here, when he opens up in this lament, his first thing he states is that he needs God. He is not asking for relief in this very situation. He is saying, God, draw me near to you. Lord, I want you. I want more of you. I need more of you. You see, in the midst of depression and discouragement and sadness, that needs to be a believer's first response is to draw, out, to draw and seek out God, to seek him out with all our hearts. His soul is aching for him. Our souls ache for God because God created us he created us with souls that our natural desire can only be satisfied by Him. He talks about when shall I come and appear before God. It's so interesting because when he writes, when shall I come, when he uses the word I, it's not just the way we typically use the word I, but he's talking about his entire being, his physical spirit, his heart, his mind, desires to appear before God. And when he's saying appear before God, He's saying specifically he wants to be with God in church, at the temple, at the tabernacle. He's crying out because he's not in fellowship with God in a place of worship. He's longing for church. You see, in life when we are depressed and discouraged, there are things that can cause us to feel this way. And one of them is not being in church, not, being, not appearing before God in a place of worship. He continues in verse 3. He continues to elaborate on his misery. I love the artistry of the Psalms. And he talks about my tears have been my food day and night. I mean, you really think about what that's like. To literally cry all day long. To cons your tears are like your grief. You eat your grief. 
he's weeping so much. He's weeping as if how one would normally consume food on a daily basis. That is how much he is weeping. And why is he weeping? Because again, he's not near his place of worship. But not just that, his captives, his captors, I mean, are saying, where is your God? You see, this isn't someone asking for a literal physical location. Where is your God? But the way this question is being asked is a form of a a taunt. You see, his Gentile, uh, the people that captured him, they were idolaters. And so, knowing that this man uh, professed faith in Yahweh, Jehovah God, they knew that in his captivity, they were going to ask him what would bother him is, where is your God? Meaning, your God has abandoned you. Your God doesn't care about you. Your God doesn't love you. You know why? Because you're captured right now. And this got me to really thinking about life because the reality is none of us in here are really physically being held captive at the moment. But we endure these taunts on a daily basis from the devil. You see, Satan will ask you that question day in and day out, especially when you are in misery and suffering. When life is hurting and you don't know what to do and you know what's going on, Satan is whispering in your ear, where is your God? He's telling you God doesn't love you. God won't deliver you. God doesn't care. And you see, a lot of times, another cause for this spiritual discouragement or depression can be the words of the devil taunting you and asking you, where is your God? He continues his lament in verse 4. He says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. There are specific things that he is remembering as he is crying out to God. And again, I love when he says, I remember, he is saying, I will remember or I choose to remember. And so he is using his mind as it has been edified by God to think about specific things. And what are the things that he remembers? How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival he remembers going to church he remembers being in community and fellowship with his brothers and sisters in christ he longs for that you see in old testament times the nation of israel would gather three times a year in jerusalem uh, to celebrate the passover the first fruits and the feast of tabernacles and they would get together as a nation because they would remember god's deliverance from the hands of the Egyptians. They would remember God's provision as they were wandering in the wilderness and they would celebrate with offerings. They would celebrate with praise. They would sing songs. They would pray. They would love each other. They would feast. They would do life together. And this psalmist is remembering that. See, he is remembering worshiping God and he is remembering worshiping with brothers and sisters who loved God. And that was breaking his heart that he couldn't be with them. You see, the throng that he missed was The multitude of people, we're not just talking about a handful, but an entire nation gathering together to worship Yahweh God. That's what we do here on a Sunday. We gather together as a multitude of people to worship and praise God. He misses that. He misses this authenticity that he dealt with in regards to people loving each other, talking about how is life going. Oh, it's going great. You know what? We're worshiping God today. He's reflecting on the goodness of God through the word which he has studied his life. So why would he miss this? Because not where we only meant to, we were created to worship God, we were created for community. 
And so when you have a genuine, authentic community that you're a part of, and you're not in it, your soul will ache for it. It's very interesting, though, because his soul was aching to be in community, where today I feel a lot of us, myself included, when I'm in discouraged or stressed out or even depressed, I don't want to be around anyone. I want to be alone. I want to draw back. But the Word of God right here shows that the most important thing to do is you need to be in fellowship with other believers. And why? Because not only will they come along and support and encourage you, they will also point you to truth. You know, in the wintertime, you guys might have heard, we're, uh, in January, we're going to start our grow groups. And grow groups are basically our form of small groups, our community groups that are intentional in gathering together, growing together, and going together. And so you get together to study the Word of God. You get together to pray for each other. You can sing songs together. You eat food together. And you do life together. Grow groups are an essential part of your spiritual walk because when you are downcast and discouraged, your grow group is the first group that will come around you immediately. I say that because I've experienced that myself. The grow group that I've been a part of in 2013, some may know that, some may not know, I went into the hospital with a really bad bone infection. That November and December were literally probably the worst months of my life. I had the flu twice in a span of two months. I was sick. I couldn't work. And for those that don't know, I used to be a personal trainer. If you don't train, you don't get paid. And then I went in, my, my foot was hurting. I went in and the doctor's like, oh, this is not looking good. I had a bone, they actually had to cut two inches of bone out of my foot because the infection was so bad. It was a tough time. It was a really tough time. But what I remember is I'm sitting in the ER room, waiting for a room, and some men from my grow group came in and visited me. And when they came and visited me, they were asking, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm good, right? I'm going to go James and rejoice in trials. No, how are you really doing? This is the worst. I hate this. I don't know why this is going on. Why is God doing this to me? Why is all of this happening? Jonathan, you know, thank you for sharing that. You know, we want to encourage and pray for you right now. But you know what? Also, remember the goodness of God. Remember the times that he has been faithful to you. Don't just think about your current situation. Think of all the times that God has remained faithful to you and the goodness and you see, I needed to hear those words. Even though I was downcast, they came alongside me. And they didn't just say, hey, just pray about it. You know, God's got a plan for you. And they walked out. No, they said that. And they stayed there with me in the storm. That's what grow groups do. That's what the church is. That's what the church does. Which is why this psalm is so important as you see the importance of corporate worship together. God's good. God is so good. The psalmist's memories bring him both joy and pain. They bring him joy because he does remember the goodness of everything, but it brings him pain as well because he longs for that again. But the, the psalmist knew that these good memories are exactly what he needed, which lead into the next verse in verse 5 as we see up here. He writes, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God! For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. This is the chorus of the song. This is the refrain. So whenever we listen to songs and we hear a chorus, that's what the artist wants you to remember. This is what this psalmist wants us to remember in the midst of this psalm. You see both. 
You see him asking himself. The New Living Translation actually reads this. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You see, when he's writing about being cast down, he's talking about literally, physically being cast down in pain. When you are in turmoil and hurt, you just bow down because you hurt so bad. This turmoil that you experience is your inner spirit, not knowing what's going on, screaming out, somebody save me! But then the most powerful word in this entire psalm comes right after that. Hope. Hope in God. You see, hope is the word that all believers, past, present, and future, hold on to in our times of distress and discouragement and depression. And what is this psalmist specifically hoping in? Again, he remembers what God has done for the nation of Israel. God's deliverance from the Egyptians. God's provision in the desert. God's covenantal promises of making the nation great. And if for some reason he loses his life while in captivity, he remembers the hope of glory that awaits him for placing his faith in Yahweh God. Which leads me to think, okay, so when we're stressed out and we need hope, what do we place our hope in? And the only answer to that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can give you hope when you are downcast. And why can he give you hope? Because Jesus was sent by God to live a perfect life on this earth. Because Jesus died on a cross for the sins of all mankind. And because he is God, he resurrected three days later. And the word of God tells you that if you believe in your hearts and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, one day when your physical being passes on, you will be in glory. The hope of heaven is what we remember as we are downcast, as we are suffering. And why? Let me tell you, Revelation 21 is very specific. We have this to look forward to in heaven because there's no death. There's no crying. There's no sorrow, no pain, no sin. This is what we have hope in. This is what we have hope for when we are downcast and we are hurting. To me, hope is the most powerful word in our vocabulary that we can use when we're talking to others as they're dealing with sadness or we're dealing with sadness. That's why we have to remember it in dark times. And this is why we also need to remember, remind our brothers and sisters to keep hope. Hope in God. Literally always say hope in God to someone that's dealing with stress and discouragement and depression. My friend, hope in God. The psalmist is literally saying, because of this hope, I will praise God in the rain. I will praise God in this storm. I will wait patiently and expectantly for God to deliver me. Because he is a faithful God. You see, we see the psalmist wrestling with his faith in this situation, and, and he doesn't stop there. You see, there's still more in the psalm. So we can continue in verse 6. He goes back to a section of lament. Because in the end, knowing hope doesn't negate your feelings of, your feelings of be, being sad and discouraged. Right? I want to separate that and for us to understand that. So he goes back to recognizing his situation is not the best situation, but he remembers hope. And so he's saying, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He gives these specific geographical locations because this is not where home is. This is not Jerusalem. 
So being here, he misses being home. And, he, and, and again, because psalms are poetry, because they're a, a form of our artistic expression, he talks about, he uses water to illustrate his pain. All your breakers and your waves. You see, at the roar of your waterfalls, he's recognizing that God has created waterfalls. And feeling under this waterfall, he recognizes that this is coming from God. Your breakers and your waves, that's literally the storms of life. When you're in the ocean or when you watch movies where you see someone in an ocean and they're bobbing in the water and a storm comes through and they're being tossed to and fro. That is what the trials of life feel like to this person right here. And so we're talking about the causes that this this man has for his spiritual discouragement and depression is the overwhelming trials of life. So again, not being in church community hurts his soul. Being taunted by unbelievers or for us being taunted by the devil may lead us to depression. The overwhelming trials of life can often lead to depression and sadness and hurt as well. But hope. But hope. We don't focus on the lament itself because immediately he goes to verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. See, this section right here is very powerful as well because when he uses the word Lord in Hebrew, he uses the word Yahweh, recognizing God's sovereignty, recognizing that God is doing all these things and for a purpose, for a reason. And he recognizes that God's love is a steadfast love, a love that never ends, a love that cannot be taken away from him because that is what a loving God does and is. And so because he remembers this sovereign love of the Lord, at night he can sing a song of praise. Think about that. For these people who are captive at night, it's not like there's a group of people sitting around and they're talking. He's in a cell by himself in the dark. At the time where the taunters, their screams of discouragement can hurt him the most. When he should feel the most alone, he sings a worship song to Yahweh God. And he doesn't just stop there. He prays as well. You see, this guy in his hurt and his depression, his response is, I'm going to sing to the Lord. I'm going to pray to the Lord. I'm going to sing to the Lord. I'm going to pray to the Lord. And I can do this because I choose hope. It's because he's choosing hope. He then goes to verse 9. I say to God, my rock... Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He goes back to a lament right after this praise. He's crying out to God. Why have you forgotten me? But this is the part that is so mind-blowing. In his crying out to the Lord, he is choosing to recognize God as the rock. That's huge. He's recognizing that God is stable, that God is unchanging, that God is loving, that God is there for him. You see, in his crying out to the Lord, he's remembering who God is and where he is and everything that he has done. But he still cries out to him. Because you know what? If you look at a lot of the Psalms, it is usually involving someone crying out to God. And so therefore, we must know it is okay to cry out to God. When you are at your wit's end and you don't know what to do and you feel like you have nowhere else to go, cry out to God. That is what this man did. And so he asks God, why have you forgotten me? You see, this is where you can see the turmoil still. Because he feels that God has forgotten him. 
but he knows that God has not forgotten him. And we know that because of the way he addressed God as the rock, his rock. And so I'm saying this because sometimes our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes we live life by the way we are feeling. And if you're feeling in a terrible place, again, we're not negating the feeling of emotions. God gave us emotions. And so when you're feeling downcast, it's okay to feel downcast. But it's what you do in response to that downcast that we must take, take heed of in this passage. We need to remember God and know God. We see in his word that he is faithful that he is there, that he is unchanging. And because of the truth and the way we value and use Scripture as supreme, we hold on to that truth and recognize that God is there. He's crying out again about the oppression of the enemy. And the Hebrew word here for the oppression is the same one that Moses used in the book of Exodus when describing the oppression that the Israelites endured under the tyrannical rule of the Egyptians. That's how bad this guy was feeling. It felt, this oppression made it feel like a deadly wound in his bones. This deadly wound, like, it literally means like his bones are being murdered. They're being crushed. They're being broken. He is hurting and aching so bad at this moment. And again, he talks about his adversaries taunting him while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? The fact that this man repeated this twice showing that it's an unending barrage of words and discouragement coming from the enemy. Which again, the devil uses against us daily. Satan doesn't want to see us thrive in our faith. He doesn't want to see us making the name of Jesus great around this world because that goes against everything that he represents. And so if he can do just a little bit to throw you off your game, then he's going to. And so when you are in the midst of a trial, and depression and hurt and sadness, the devil's going to attack you even at the most because you're a wounded animal at that time. But again, the psalm doesn't end here. It ends in this next verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The reason this psalmist repeats this course again is again because he wants us to remember these words as we read this psalm, as we study this psalm, as we look to live into this psalm. But also because in the previous verses, when he was asking God, why haven't you delivered me, is because God hasn't answered his prayers according to his timetable. You see, that is another reason why sometimes we suffer from hurt, depression, and sadness is because we pray out to God, we cry out to God, and he doesn't answer according to our timetable or our time frame. That means that sometimes when we pray to God to ask for deliverance from something and he doesn't deliver you immediately, the devil will come in and say, hey, you see, God didn't answer your prayer. He doesn't love you. I think for me, that is the biggest struggle. I, bet, I imagine that's a struggle for a lot of us as believers is we want our prayers answered immediately. And sometimes God doesn't answer them according to our will. A lot of times when it comes to unanswered prayers, they are answered prayers. And a lot of times it's God saying, it's not yet. It's not now. Keep hope though, because I have a huge plan for you that will make sense down the road. It's tough though. Because that's not our timetable. That's not the way our mind works. And so because of that, we choose hope, as in verse 11. We thank God for salvation. We praise Him. 
And so we look at the life of this psalmist as he's struggling right now. We see that he has been wrestling with his faith all throughout this psalm. And the question we ask is, is he having victory or not having victory? What determines victory? And when I say victory, I'm talking about in regards to his faith. To me, his faith has victory. Not because he's okay per se, right? Not because he's, I'm good. But because he chooses hope. He fights for hope. He's choosing to recognize that in the midst of his turmoil, God is who he needs. God is the only one that can satisfy his thirst. God is who he aches for at this moment. He has victory because he's choosing to recognize, he's choosing to remember God in his goodness, in his circumstances. This psalmist chooses hope. So what does that mean for us today? The question I have for everyone in this room is, how are you doing? How is your soul? Are you hurting? Are you suffering? Are you downcast? Are you distraught? Because if so, I want to give you some encouragement. The Word of God has some powerful words that can bring you hope, that will allow you to choose hope. You see, God will not fail you. God does not fail His creation. Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God will not fail you. God will provide for you. We see in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will provide everything for you. God hears you. When you are pouring out your soul and you are downcast and you are crying out to God, He hears you. Don't let the devil deceive you. Psalm 66.20, Blessed be God, because He has not rejected my prayer or removed His steadfast love from me. And when you feel alone in the darkness, God is right there beside you, carrying you. Psalm 139.7-10, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You're not alone. In this dark and sorrowful time, God is there beside you. And then lastly, God is faithful. God is good and faithful in 2 Timothy 2.13. Even if we are faithless, He remains faithful. See, God will never leave your side. He will always be with you. And so if you are hurting, if you are discouraged, my encouragement to you today is don't give up. Don't despair. And keep hope. I'm going to ask you all to stand as I read another set of lyrics from some Christian musicians that I really love. It says this. Listen to these words. We will not lose heart. Even though this present age will waste away, we will surely suffer. But it's a slight momentary trouble. The deconstruction is painful, but the transformation is beautiful. When we, the children of God, are crushed under the heavy affliction of this world, be reminded that it's weightless in comparison to the eternal measure of God's glory. We have lost our eyes for the unseen and have swallowed the false hope of the visible. 
We must realize the empty grave and revel in the certainty of his resurrection with assurance of renewal, considering it worthy to suffer for the, way, for the faith, so we will worship while we wait. And so as we get ready to do this last song, my prayer and my hope is that this will be your anthem for the week, that if you are suffering, if you are hurting, you will cry out to God, that you will celebrate and remember his goodness in the good times and the bad times. And so let's sing and close with our last song. <laughs>